Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 20, and I'm beginning to read from verse 19. Uh, John, chapter 20, and verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, They are not forgiven. All over the world, people are working round the clock to find an effective vaccine against COVID-19. Ten days ago in Oxford, the first human tests in Britain for a vaccine began. What crucial work this is, as experts are telling us that it is essential to find a vaccine before we can ever return to normal. Now, just imagine one nation of the world discovering an effective vaccine and then refusing to share it with the world. There'd be universal outrage, anger, disbelief that anyone could be so cruel to keep it to themselves when people are dying. Well, now let me ask you, if you had the answer to the problem of death, uh, not just being able to stop COVID-19 from killing people, but if you had the answer to the problem of all death, if you knew that death could be defeated and you didn't pass on that secret, can you imagine the response? Outrage, anger, disbelief. I imagine you know where I'm going with this, because in these last weeks, in John chapter 20, we have seen that there is an answer to death. Jesus Christ has defeated death. He has risen from the grave. And this is not just wishful thinking on our part. Christian belief in the resurrection is based on solid, reliable eyewitness evidence. We've seen that again and again in this chapter. So how outrageous it would be to be in possession of this staggering news and then not to pass it on, to to keep it to ourselves. Now that is the thrust of the verses we're looking at this morning in John chapter 20. We'll come to that in just a moment, but first, as we've seen right through this chapter, it's a chapter about eyewitnesses, and so our first point, if you're taking notes, a new testimony seen by many. Look with me at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The disciples are in lockdown, doors locked, verse 19. And they're in fear of their lives, not because of a virus, but because the authorities have just murdered their leader. And they have very good reason to suspect that they'll be next. It's not difficult then for us to identify with these disciples in lockdown to protect their lives, alone and fearful in a dangerous world. But then, verse 19, Jesus stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And the significance of this is that this is the first group sighting of the risen Jesus. In the first nine verses of the chapter, Peter saw Peter and John saw the grave clothes in Jesus' tomb and they were convinced that uh, that evidence told them that Jesus was risen. Then last week, Mary was the first eyewitness to actually see the risen Jesus. Now this is the first group of people together to see Jesus risen from the dead. And it was definitely him, verse 19. Jesus said, peace be with you. And then verse 20, 
After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Well, I bet they were. They were overjoyed because they were in no doubt this was Jesus. He showed them the nail marks in his hands from his crucifixion, the gash in his side where the Roman soldier had thrust a spear into him to ensure that he was dead before taking him down from the cross. There was no doubt this was Jesus all right. And here he is appearing to a group of at least 10 people, probably more. So this is a new dynamic to the eyewitness testimony of this chapter. A group of people together witnessing the risen Jesus so that it is... um. Uh, as we've been thinking through these last weeks, there have been plenty of attempts to discredit the truth of the resurrection. Uh, Sceptics have suggested that sightings of Jesus after his death were just in the minds of Jesus' followers. You'll recall from last week that we began to deal with that, but this further refutes that suggestion. It's hard to make a case for ten or more people to be deluded all at the same time. It's not reasonable to suggest that a group of people all experience the same figment of their imagination at exactly the same time. So once more, this chapter assures us that the Christian belief in the bodily resurrection of Jesus is founded on good, solid, reliable eyewitness evidence. We're um, we're not fooling ourselves when we believe that the resurrection actually happened. This is not wishful thinking on our part. But just as we saw last week, each eyewitness encounter with Jesus in this chapter develops the implications of the resurrection. And there are two things that this encounter tells us. So we move from the first point, a new testimony seen by many, to secondly, a new relationship, peace with God. Twice as Jesus stood among the disciples, he said the same thing. He said, peace be with you. He said it at the end of verse 19 and at the beginning of verse 21. And look, this was more than a a casual greeting. This isn't a formal, all right? No, this is a statement. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can be at peace with God, no longer at war with him. Look at how these words are arranged. The phrase, peace be with you, is like a bread in a sandwich. It surrounds the filling, and the filling is in verse 20. After he said this, peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his sides and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Do you see, peace be with you is either side of Jesus showing the disciples his hands and his side. His hands and his side bore the marks of his death on the cross. And so here is Jesus saying that peace with God comes through his death. That is very good news. Because the uncomfortable truth is that we are not God's friends. Years ago, when we lived in another part of the country, Caroline and I were speaking to our next door neighbours about what we believed as Christians. In their own words, they were not religious. They described their philosophy of life to be to work as hard as possible, to provide as much as possible, to give to their children the best possible. And by their own admission, God didn't really figure in their lives. And yet... As we talked about the gospel and the need to be at peace with God, I will never forget the wife. I'll call her Diane. I'll never forget Diane saying, me and the man upstairs, we're like this. And she held her, crossed her fingers together. So there was someone who, by her own admission, doesn't allow God to figure in her life. And yet she thinks that her and God are best pals. But but that's not the Bible's assessment of our standing before God. 
God, the creator of everything, gives us everything. He gives us all the good things we enjoy in life. Relationships, recreation, romance, relaxation. He even gives us life itself. Every breath we take comes from him. He gives us everything. And yet we treat him as a footnote in our lives, a sidebar at best. He's not front and centre. Most of the time he's not even on the page. For sure we might go to him when we need something, but we all know that that's no way to treat anyone. We would hate it if someone took everything we gave them, yet barely acknowledged our existence. But that is how we treat God. And that is what we did with God when he walked this earth. He came to us in Christ Jesus and, and we kicked him out. We wanted him out of our lives and off the planet. So we are not all right with the man upstairs. We are not at peace with God. By our actions, we have declared ourselves at war with him. But here's the most wonderful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Despite who we are and the way we've treated God, amazingly, he goes to the most extraordinary lengths to put us right with him. He not only came to earth to show us who he is, he came to earth to die on a cross, to take the punishment that you and I deserve, to bring us back into a relationship with him so that we no longer need to be at war with God, but we can be at peace with him. Now that is what Jesus announced as he stood among the disciples. Peace be with you. It's what we were thinking about last week. We can enter into a new relationship with God. We can call God our Father. But that new relationship brings with it a new responsibility. And that's our third point. Point one, a new testimony seen by many. Point two, a new relationship, peace with God. Point three, a new responsibility sent by God. Look at verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. At the start of this episode, the disciples are fearful, in fear of their lives and with good reason. Their leader has been picked off by the authorities and they think they'll be next. But astonishingly, Jesus says, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out into this dangerous world because the disciples, you see, are in possession of the greatest news in the world, news of a risen saviour, news that death has been defeated, news that we can be at peace with God, news that we can come into a new relationship with God, news that we can live forever beyond the grave. That is news that you cannot keep to yourself, not when you know that the world is dying. Last week, while we were enjoying a family meal, we were talking about the coronavirus mortality rate. Someone in the family made the point that the chances of men dying is higher than women. And then someone else said, but of course, the overall mortality rate is the same for both men and women. We all die. And left to ourselves, we have no answer to the problem of death. So Jesus says, I'm sending you into the world to tell everyone that there is a way of being at peace with God and a way of having eternal life. Jesus said, verse 21, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Jesus commissions his followers with the same mission that God the Father gave him. Of course, that doesn't mean that we are to die an atoning sacrificial death. No, Jesus has done that. His death has done everything necessary to bring us peace with God. And that doesn't need to be done again. But just as Jesus was sent into a hostile world, a world that rejected him, so we too are being sent into a world that doesn't want to hear the message of the gospel, but a world that desperately needs to hear it all the same. So as we take this wonderful news, we can expect people to reject us just as they rejected Jesus. 
I, I love this book. It's called Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu. In the 1960s, the Black Shadows were a terrorist group in what was then called Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe. Stephen Lungu was a member of that group. In short, this book tells how he got converted at the very meeting that he went to blow up. At the meeting he went to destroy, he heard about Jesus and uh, rather than detonate the bombs that he'd taken with him, he became a Christian. It was a Sunday when his life was completely turned around. And the next morning he wanted to tell everyone about Jesus. So he got on the bus and he writes these words. It was early Monday morning and the bus was crowded with glum commuters. The world over, it seems, going to work early on a Monday is a trying business. In my newfound excitement, I did not perhaps appreciate these Monday morning blues. I could not keep my joy to myself. I felt I was going to burst any minute. Suddenly, I jumped to my feet. People looked up at this ragged, sand-stained young man. I took a deep breath and said in a loud voice, Ladies and gentlemen, do you know what happened to me last night? Heads the length of the bus swung round. Eyebrows went up. Smiles of faint derision and frowns of faint apprehension played on people's faces. This was all they needed to make their Monday morning melancholy complete. A madman aboard their bus. So I hastened to reassure my captive audience that everything was all right because I had some really good news. I'll tell you what happened to me last night. I shouted over the gasping engine. I found Jesus. The next thing he knew, as the bus reached the next stop, Stephen Lungu was thrown, thrown off the bus. Uh, now, admittedly, standing on a bus and, and preaching about Jesus is, is quite extreme. But anyone who's ever tried to tell people about Jesus in any context will know it often goes down like a brick in a swimming pool. I became a Christian on a Friday night on the 25th of March 1983. And on the Monday morning, I can remember driving into work feeling so excited. Life had completely changed for me. And I thought everyone in the office would want to hear about the amazing news that Jesus can give us forgiveness and eternal life. So I started telling my colleagues about Jesus. I didn't get thrown out of the office, but I very quickly discovered that people really didn't want to hear my good news. And they soon asked me to stop banging on about it. As the father sent Jesus into a hostile world, so we are sent by Jesus into a world that doesn't want to know. But we must tell because we have the answer to the problem of death and it would be outrageous to keep that message to ourselves. Indeed, when we've really grasped it, it's impossible to keep it to ourselves because we're so full of it, so full of joy. That's uh, what happened to the disciples. In verse 19, we meet them cooped up in a locked room and fearful. One verse later, having seen the risen Jesus, they are full of joy. They are overjoyed. When you've been grabbed by the good news of Jesus, it's impossible to keep it quiet. In the next months, we hope there'll be a scientist in a lab somewhere in the world who will discover a vaccine for COVID-19. The moment they know that they've discovered a vaccine, no one will be able to keep them quiet, even if they tried to. We have the good news of death defeated. What joy! We shouldn't be able to be shut up, even if people try to, and they will try to. Experience tells us that people don't want to know. They'll tell us to shut up in the office and throw us off buses in Zimbabwe and even kill people in other parts of the world. So we need help. And that's the point of verse 2. I'll read from verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus gives the Holy Spirit, God himself living in us to help us, to empower us, to equip us, to embolden us, to tell others. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us with that task of proclaiming the gospel to a dying world. And we need his help because the message of the gospel is not all good news. Verse 22 again. Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus is speaking here to the apostles. They are given the authority to to declare the authentic gospel. We have their message here in the Bible. And so in the Bible, we have the authentic message of the gospel, a message of forgiveness and judgment. The gospel declares us right with God, forgiven, at peace with God. But if we refuse to accept this free offer from God, the bad news is that we are not forgiven. That is not what people want to hear. People want to believe that they and the man upstairs are like that. And what's more, we don't like to tell people this bad news. But this current climate has surely taught us that telling people the truth, even when it's hard to hear, is the kind and right thing to do. Think of the way the government and and the World Health Organization has been telling us that COVID-19 is a killer. They've not told us that to scare us, but to inform us so that we'll stay safe. They're not being aggressive or or scaremongering when they tell us of the danger we're in. They're treating us as adults. They're, They're telling us the facts. Of course, some people don't like it. Some have even come up with wild conspiracy theories. But the vast majority of us realise that the authorities are telling us the truth for our good. It's no different as we tell people about Jesus. We have the good news of how we can be safe forever. But that good news includes the stark reality that if we refuse Jesus' rescue, then we're not forgiven and not right with God. In these days, confronted by death every day, we surely feel the urgency to tell people about Jesus. And we have a unique opportunity For years, death has been a taboo subject. But now, as the whole world is confronted by daily death tolls, we have an opportunity to tell people the answer to the problem of death. And be sure, if we don't tell people, they won't thank us. Years ago, a friend said to me, imagine Judgment Day. And there you are being led off to enjoy all eternity with Jesus forever. And as you're being led off to your glorious future, you turn round and catch the eye of a, of a friend being led off to spend all eternity separated from God from ever, forever. And they look at you and say to you, why didn't you tell me? And then my friend asked me, how would you feel then? In the gospel, we are in possession of something that is even greater than a vaccine for coronavirus. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the answer to the problem of death and of coming face to face with God one day. And so we have a responsibility to tell others. To fail to do so would be outrageous. So what does all this mean for us? Well, a few things. First, Christianity is is not a private faith. If this is true and if you know this for yourself, you can't keep it to yourself. You have to share it. So let me encourage you. Make a list of everyone you know who isn't at the moment a follower of Jesus. Start praying for them and then start telling them about Jesus. Second, Christianity is a reasonable faith, by which I mean we have good reasons for believing what we believe. So be sure you know those reasons. Get equipped to tell others. God has equipped us by giving us the Holy Spirit, but we can 
help ourselves by thinking about answers to the most frequently asked questions. Uh, some years back, a friend and I wrote this book, If You Could Ask God One Question. The publisher has made this e-book free to download until the end of June. You can get a copy to help you answer the most frequently asked questions. Go to the Good Book Company and search If You Could Ask God One Question e-book. Third, Christianity is a matter of life and death. So when you tell people what you believe, go to the heart of the issue. Speak about how Jesus deals with the problem of death. Never before in my lifetime have people been more open to talking about death. Finally, if you're not yet a Christian and you're looking into all this, well, look, thanks for joining us today. If you want to know more, you too could get a free copy of, of this ebook. Details will appear on the screen at the end of the service. Or you could send an email with your questions about Christianity and we'll do our best to answer them. You'll, you'll find email addresses on our website. As scientists around the world do everything they can to find a vaccine to protect us against COVID-19, we already have in our possession an answer to the greater problem of death and coming face to face with God one day. And so Jesus says to us, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So let's go and let's tell. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you very much that you have given us the answer to the problem of death and we pray that in our in kindness towards others we won't keep that to ourselves but full of joy at the wonderful knowledge of the resurrection please help us to be those who tell others about how they too can be right with you at peace with God and we ask it in Jesus name amen <laughs>